I hope with the Smarter This Morning I can help accomplish what Newell just charged us with to examine ourselves a little closer, maybe in a little different way. Recently, Joshua Grimm has pressed us men in the back room with the question, why are we here? Piggybacking off of Joshua, my question for all of us is, what is the why for your faith? Why do you believe in Jesus Christ? Why do you believe in God? Why do you believe everything we're taught through the man of God the Lord's given us? Is it because it's the right thing to do? Is it because of family expectations? Is it because of expectations of all the people here in this room? Is it because of tradition or upbringing? None of those whys got the martyrs through their light afflictions. All of these whys will not suffice in the days of our adversity and tribulation here on this earth Mm -hmm. because they make up a sandy foundation and we will fall. The martyrs had a better why. The why I'm referring to is separate from the works of God that he does in our hearts to regenerate us by our Holy Spirit so that we can even see and understand those things and to give us a new man so that we can actually perform those works that please God. It's separate. This is practical faith, how you work out your own salvation. It is with fear. Is it with fear and trembling, boldly exalting Christ by a changed life like we've been pressed lately? Or are we following the footsteps of Amaziah that we read about last night, doing that which is right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart? Right. Worse yet, are we following those wicked kings of Israel like Omri, Ahab, and the ones that kept getting worse and worse and worse? Here's the bottom line. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Amen. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Amen. So what was the why for the martyrs that led them to true belief and strong faith founded upon the rock of salvation, Jesus Christ? What was it? They were fully persuaded of the promises God reserved for them through Christ. They were fully persuaded. It was real to them. It was personal to them. And what did it do for them? They were so persuaded that they faced down brutal torturing and tormentors, physical pains brought on them in forms we can hardly imagine, and even death itself. They were so persuaded, they faced these things with patience, joy, and sometimes even excitement looking forward to it. Because of those promises they were assured of, there is no better practical example of being fully persuaded besides Abraham than these martyrs. I want to tell you about six martyrs today, but I really want to focus on one woman. It just happened to be a group of six of them together. And this woman was fully persuaded of these promises and who fulfilled her God-given duty as a perfect helper to her husband by reminding him with full assurance of these exceeding great and precious promises that we have in Christ, even unto the end of their lives in this pilgrim land. So, here we go. In 1543, the Archbishop of St. Andrews made a visitation into various parts of his diocese where several persons were informed against at Perth for heresy. Among those, the following were condemned to die. William Anderson, Robert Lamb, James Finlayson, James Hunter, James Revelson, and Helen Stark. And Helen Stark's the name I want you to remember. 
The accusations against these respective persons were as follows. First four were accused of having hung up the image of St. Francis, nailing a ram's horn to its head, and fastening a cow's tail to its rump. (laughs) But the principal matter on which they were condemned was having regaled themselves with a goose on a fast day, also a Friday. Wonderful. (laughs) James Revelson was accused of having ornamented his house with the three-crowned diadem of Peter, carved in wood, which the archbishop conceived to be in mockery to his cardinal's cap. And lastly, Helen Stark. She was accused of not having accustomed herself to pray to the Virgin Mary, more especially during the time she was in childbed. On these respective accusations, they were all found guilty and immediately received sentence of death. The four men for eating the goose to be hanged, James Revelson to be burnt, and the woman with her sucking infant to be put into a sack and drowned. The four men with the woman and the child suffered at the same time, but James Revelson was not executed until some days later. The martyrs were carried by a great band of armed men, for the priests feared rebellion in the town, except they had their men of war, because they were cowards, to the place of execution, which was common to all thieves, and that to make their cause appear more odious to the people, so they wouldn't want to follow them. Every one comforting another and assuring themselves that they should sup together in the kingdom of heaven. Remember those promises that night. They commended themselves to God and died constantly in the Lord. And this is where the woman and her faith shines forth. The woman, Helen Stark, desired earnestly to die with her husband, but she was not suffered. Yet, following him to the place of execution, she gave him comfort exhorting him to perseverance and patience for Christ's sake. And parting from him with a kiss said, Husband, rejoice, for we have lived together many joyful days. But this day in which we must die ought to be the most joyful unto us both. Because we must have joy forever. Therefore, I will not bid you good night, for we shall suddenly meet with joy in the kingdom of heaven. The woman, after that, was taken to a place to be drowned, and albeit she had a sucking child on her breast, yet this moved nothing in the unmerciful hearts of the enemies. So after she had commended her child to the neighbors of the town for God's sake, and the sucking sucking baron was given to the nurse, she sealed up the truth by her death. So the conclusion. Wives, are you fully persuaded in a way that you would be able to comfort your husband if you were in the same circumstances. Husbands, myself included, are we leading our wives in paths of righteousness, pointing them to Christ and ourselves, taking heed to the precious words of God, dwelling with our wives according to knowledge, so that she is taught and able to give herself and others and us comfort in such encouragement and in such a state to all of us. Are we as persuaded as this woman was so that we can strengthen each other in the Lord as this woman did her husband when we face troubles? It's nothing compared to this, not what she went through, not what the martyrs went through. The same promises she was persuaded of are the same promises we can and will partake of with her and the rest of the martyrs. The Lord's given them to us. And he's told us about it in Hebrews eleven four. After listening all those things that they went through, he said that those things were for us too and that we would partake with them. I want to end. Uh, I want to end with Second Peter, chapter one, verses two through eight. 
Grace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of this divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, and this is where our responsibility comes in, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's those promises. They were persuaded of them, and they used them to stir them on, to give diligence and add it to their faith. Brethren, we can do the same. We have the same promises, the same access, the same capability, with less suffering. So let's do it. Yes. Amen. Amen.